Today's gospel lesson comes from John chapter 12. Uh, We're just reading verses 1 through 8 this morning, and I invite them now to your hearing. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. They gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you. We continue in this Lenten journey. You see on the front of your bulletin, we're talking about things that we can do to make God's love real to us. The give up certain things, take up certain things, lift up, and uh, that's where we are today. We're going to talk about lifting up the hurting. And I think this dramatic encounter in John 12 shows us something about it. Jesus is with three of his best friends, excluding the 12 that he traveled with. We know he was particularly close to Lazarus. As a matter of fact, the chapter before this in the Gospel of John, he raises Lazarus from the dead. That's a friendly thing of Jesus to do. Uh, He's good friends with Mary and Martha, and in another Gospel we, we read about Martha busying herself, and it's not surprising that in this scripture she is serving, but Mary just sits at the feet of Jesus. In this passage, Mary offers what she has, and Jesus does not try to fix that offering. He just accepts it, loves her, and lifts her up. To God. This scripture is in all four Gospels, although in two Gospels Mary anoints Jesus' head, in two, including this one in John, she anoints his feet. Each Gospel writer has their own twist on why this is important. We know it's important because the scripture says it's six days before the Passover, the one when, according to John 13, Jesus washes his disciples' feet, the one in which he gives them the last supper that we will celebrate in just a few moments, the one in which he is betrayed into the hands of sinners and dies his death on a cross for you and me so that he can rise again. This is an important time. And John seems very clear that in this culture, everything Mary does is wrong. In this culture, at this time, women were not supposed to speak 
with men. They were not supposed to be at table with them, and they dare not let their hair down. But Mary did all of those things and spends an exorbitant amount of money and perfume anointing his feet, as Jesus says in verse 8, for burial. This bottle of ointment, this perfume, cost a year's salary. Just imagine that. And Judas speaks up and says, you could have given that money to the poor. Jesus doesn't fix any of that. He just accepts her gift and in so doing lifts her before God. She breaks every rule that there is. I've told you before, growing up in my family on Saturday night, if you were under 80 years old, you could not speak during Lawrence Welk. If you did, you were in bad trouble. I may have one other brother that I'm not aware of that he spoke one time during Lawrence Welk and we never saw him again. I'm not sure what happened. But that's what happens. Mary breaks every rule that there is. Jesus does not correct her. Even though she's outside of what is normal, he just loves her. I wonder if you and I can accept the hurting simply by lifting them before God instead of trying to fix them. I say all the time how grateful I am to you all and to those who have gone before you for deciding that you would stay in downtown Gastonia. You cannot leave your office if you work here and go to your car without someone from our community needing something. And it's a daily challenge for my, what am I going to do? It's so easy to reach into your wallet and pull out a $5 bill when you're already late for wherever you're going and say, here, I hope this helps, God bless. Rather than spending time with someone, talking with them, and literally lifting them up in prayer. How many times in my marriage has Pam said to me when she comes home at the end of a day and she's talking about things going on in her life and because I'm a tad bit of a type A personality, I like to fix things and say, here's what you need to do. And she has said more times than I can remember, don't fix it, just listen. How many times are you and I called? to simply accept people where they are, not fix them, but lift them before the throne of God's grace. I have a friend who's a surgeon in Concord, and for five years I was his pastor, and I heard a lot of people in uh, the waiting room say, Oh, doctor, we just appreciate everything that you have done. And he said many times, Listen, I have knowledge, I use my knowledge, I do my job, and then God heals. He was very clear. He always gave that clarifying statement. It's not what I do, it's what God does that is important. It's like a pause in that, it's a, it's a parenthesis, it's that uh, in, in grammar, we learn that you use parentheses to make a clarifying statement. That's exactly 
what John does when he's telling this story of Mary anointing Jesus' feet. He says in verse 6, as a matter of fact, the entirety of verse 6 is in a parenthesis. He's telling the story and then it's like, I just got to tell you what's going on here. It's right after Judas says, you should have sold all of that and given it to the poor. John interjects and gives this clarifying statement. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. I wonder, can we interject, give a holy pause in the midst of what's going on in life and give a clarifying statement to the world, hey, we aren't here to fix. We don't understand much of anything. The best we can do is lift you before God. In Mark chapter 2, that's what the four friends of the paralytic did. You know the story. They want to get to Jesus. The house is so crowded they can't get to him to heal their friend. They cut a hole in the roof and they lower him to Jesus. You see, that's what it meant to simply present each other before God. They knew they couldn't fix him, but they knew the one who could. That's what it means to lift up the hurting, to simply meet them where they are and accept their pain without trying to fix them. You see, I'm convinced, I've thought about this a lot, somewhere, sometime along the way, we fell into this fallacy that the church of Jesus Christ exists to fix things. We don't. It's not in the book. Read it. We exist to lift up the hurting to the throne of God's grace. As your pastor, my job isn't to tell you what to think. God gave you brains. God gave you the ability to think. My job is to lift us up to God. Your job isn't to tell me what to think. As fellow pilgrims on this journey, our job is to lift up one another to the throne of God's grace. Our job is to put a holy pause in the midst of life. If you read the Psalms, there are 150 of them, many of them. In the middle of the Psalm, it has this word in uh, most Bibles in italics, selah, S-E-L-A-H. It literally means a holy pause. It's a moment where in the midst of praising God or calling out to God, it for the early church was a musical interlude. There weren't words on the screen. They didn't say, open up your hymnal. They just said, wow, this is beyond words. All we can do is say, wow. Well, that's our role with one another to provide the parentheses to provide that holy pause where we can say our job isn't to fix, it's just to lift each other up so that, as Richard read in Isaiah 43, God can do that new thing. Think about it. Jesus, this woman breaking every rule of society, anointing his feet. He didn't know where she stood on LBGTQ issues. He didn't know if she was a Republican or a Democrat. He accepted the gift. 
He accepted the gift and in so doing lifted her. He didn't try to fix anything. My goodness, how desperately we need that in our world. January 13th through 15th of 2005, I was holding my dying father's hand on the sixth floor of Mission Hospital. I've told you about that because that was a dramatic moment in my life. He was my earthly hero. He was dying, and everybody in my family's a doggone preacher, so we know the words to say, blah, 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 blah. And those words mean nothing when you're hurting. So we all said, Daddy, you can go on, because that's what you're supposed to say. And everybody in there said it. I said it, and then I, I kept holding his hand, and I turned to my brother and my first cousin who were with me in the room. I said, I don't mean it. <laughs> I didn't want him to die. I didn't want him to go on. I I told God out loud, and it was true. I was living in Concord, serving a church. I'd already talked to the bishop. Bishop, I wasn't planning on moving. I need to move as close to Lake Junaluska, where my mama and daddy live, as I can. My dad may not make it, so I'll need to be close to mom, but hopefully my dad will live, and I just want to be able to go by and hold his hand every day and tell him I love him. I know he's in a coma. I know he can't understand anything I'm saying, but that's what I want to do. Listen, my brother and my first cousin did not say to me, David, that's just crazy. That, that's ridiculous. You don't, want, you don't really want your earthly hero to lay there and suffer. Think about it. That's not what you want. You know what they did? They cried with me. They didn't fix anything. They just lifted me up. My hurting self, they lifted me up. Our job is not to fix what is wrong. Our job is to lift up those who are hurting, and that means me and you, because all of us are broken. Oh, how we need to lift up the hurting in this day and age. Let's pray. God, forgive us. Forgive us for making ourselves gods and thinking we can fix everything that's wrong. Help us instead to simply lift others before the throne of your grace. Allow ourselves to be lifted. Thank you for the great example of Mary and Jesus' example of accepting an extravagant gift so that as she was hurting, she may be lifted. Enable us, Lord, to lift one another. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.